This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. And I'm Trader Nick. Welcome back to the Market Insights, Market Pulse podcast. And today we're joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst, Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon. We are talking in terms of inflation numbers this morning. We had the inflation headline number come out at 4.9% compared to the 5% that was expected. And then, of course, we also had core, which came out at 5.5%, which was as expected here today, down from the previous at 5.6%. So the markets uh, reacted pretty interestingly to this. We saw the dollar sell off pretty aggressively, as one might expect, as we're seeing some signs that there is uh, some inflation cooling going on. Now, of course, a lot of risk on assets also rallied today off of this. We had, of course, the dollar down, but we had the NASDAQ up pretty tremendously today. We had uh, a nice move there in terms of uh, retesting and even breaking through the highs here from our recent pullback. We're up, uh, you know, over a, a percent and a half uh, here this morning. So it's a pretty, uh, a pretty solid push to the upside there. And then, of course, we had just a mention to some of the the uh, currencies out there. We had the Australian dollar strengthen uh, pretty aggressively today, and it seems like a good day for many risk on assets, uh, as well as a nice push to the upside there on the gold market as well. Craig, I'd love to get your thoughts in terms of reaction to these CPI numbers. What caught your eye here? What are you looking at today? I mean, I think the first thing that stands out to me is are we really getting that desperate now that we're clutching at straws over such a small beat or, or even uh, a decline, uh, should I say. This is very marginally below expectations on the headline, and as you said, alluded to, in line on the uh, on the core side. There's still a long way to go, and this by no means guarantees that the Fed is going to look favorably on this, either from an interest rate perspective at the next meeting in a month's time, or whether they're going to cut rates later on this year. I think it marginally tips the balance in favor of holding at this point, but there's a lot of economic data to come. It almost feels like we've gone into this report with so much fear uh, that it could be higher, uh, that it's almost feels like a relief rally more than more so than cheering the result. I still think there's a long way to go. Um, and like I say, core inflation is, as you said, still 5.5%. It is expected to decline over the course of this year, but the Fed's going to be in no way comfortable with the inflation levels where they are now, and it feels like a, a small step in the right direction. I was going to ask in terms of the inflation numbers that we got today, if that, in your view, swung anything in terms of the Fed's outlook. Of course, we just had the May meeting. We have the June meeting, of course, next. So you mentioned you don't think that's going to sway too much. Do you, I'd love to get your thoughts, generally speaking, as to rates in the future. Uh, are you sort of in the pause camp? Are you in the cuts camp this year, as some of the bond market may forecast? What are your thoughts there in terms of what we saw today in relation to potential Fed future meetings? I think I'm somewhere between the two, so you could probably put me straight on the fence. Um, but uh, I'd say it's difficult because there's, on the one hand, I think the bond markets are where we should be, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. We are going to see a significant decline in inflation. A lot of the evidence that we have seen so far does suggest that credit conditions have tightened considerably beyond the rate hikes alone. The business optimism is struggling and that we could potentially still see uh, more casualties in terms of US regional banks, which could make that situation a little bit worse. So for me, the conditions are in place for the Fed to not raise interest rates anymore. And as the markets currently expect, then start to pivot to rate cuts 
around the third quarter of this year, maybe going into uh, the fourth quarter of this year, and then cut rates at a two or three consecutive meetings. I think the conditions are in place for that to happen. I just don't necessarily have the faith in the Federal Reserve to pivot that quickly because we know what importance they put on their own credibility in terms of their messaging. We saw at the start of this process, they had committed to having a period of time between ending uh, QE and starting raising interest rates to the point that once they accepted that inflation was transitory, they waited a couple of months before actually raising interest rates, even though others had already started. And it was clear that they would have to as well. And then they started with 25 basis points because almost the commitment to that message was more important than actually getting to grips and starting to deal with the inflation problem. And that really was a massive setback. And I've said all along, I think the risk of a policy mistake on the exit uh, is also a big factor here where I already think that last rate hike may have actually been a little bit unnecessary. And I think they'll want to leave a period of time between raising interest rates and cutting interest rates because say they cut interest rates as the market's expected at one point, say two months, say July. Say they start cutting rates in July as the market's expected at one stage. What you're effectively saying is, well, our last rate hike was a mistake. And I don't think they'll want to admit that. And I think they'll hold off as long as possible before cutting interest rates unless credit conditions become so tight that the economy is facing a more severe recession, at which point I think they'll have no choice. But aside from that particular scenario, if we're going into a mild recession, I think they'll hold off as long as they can because otherwise they're accepting a mistake that they have made. And I wanted to reiterate one thing that you said in terms of going back on sort of their planning. And that seems to be a common theme with the Fed. It's almost sort of a Game of Thrones in the sense of, you know, they don't want to suddenly go back on, on the recent rate hike. Partially because at this point, many market participants, many analysts even, uh, perhaps even yourself, would say that a sudden uh, or a sooner than expected rate cut may actually be signaling something has actually been broken. Some bigger problems have erupted in the markets beyond just, hey, you know, uh, things are looking good. We're going to now cut. It's like you said, there's probably a place for a pause, a waiting period. And that is actually, in my opinion, what would produce sort of the, the best possible outcome for things like equities and that sort of thing, where you just sort of get a stable and then eventually they stick to their theme and then um, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think if you were talking about the Fed's ideal scenario here, the Fed's ideal scenario for me is that we get to the end of the year and the Fed funds rate is at the peak. And then from January onwards, they can start cutting interest rates. It's almost like new year, new Fed. We can now start to support the economy because we've defeated inflation. We've done a really good job. And now we can start to get back to supporting the economy. I think that'd be their ideal scenario, potentially pulling the US out of a mild recession in the process, but hopefully not. Whether they're going to have the ability to do so, depending on the damage that these tighter credit conditions cause is another thing altogether. Meanwhile, on this side of the Atlantic, uh, guys, uh, we've got a big announcement probably uh, coming from the Bank of England with their rate decision. And it looks very much like a 25 basis points increase, is it not, Craig? Yeah, I think that's um, almost certain, famous last words, but I feel like that's almost certain at this point and the market seems to be in agreement on that. The Bank of England's in a difficult position in that as of February, when its last monetary policy report was released, and assuming that, that this monetary policy report is maybe slightly worse, but broadly in line uh, with their views on how fast inflation is going to fall over the course of this year, 
they're in a really sticky situation where in February they said, we think inflation will fall below 4% by the end of the year. If they broadly believe that to be true now, even if it's more like 4.5 rather than 4%, they still can't be not raising interest rates when inflation currently is above 10%. It's a really difficult message to portray to the market. Two policymakers at recent meetings have been voting against raising interest rates, not yet been voting for cuts, but they don't want to raise interest rates further. So the Bank of England is in a difficult situation where they probably have to raise interest rates just because it's too hard to explain any other decision. But I think as soon as inflation starts to fall and fall rapidly as they expect it will over the course of the summer, I think they'll pause as quickly as they possibly can because I think they know that they are now as the Fed is also, in murky waters where any rate hikes from here on in could be quite damaging for the economy. And the other situation that they have is that the economy is not in recession. So that demand aspect uh, in terms of what they were expecting with the recession lowering demand and potentially doing part of the job for it hasn't materialised. So that could actually lead to forecasts for inflation, which are slightly higher than what they expected in February. Yeah, and taking a look at the pound in relation to, of course, all that we're talking about with the Bank of England, um, you know, quite quite a, a troublesome situation that we've talked about on the podcast pretty consistently. We've got, of course, the situation where inf inflation is very, very high. Uh, there's there's many, many problems with uh, raising rates as well as, you know, you don't want to hurt an economy. And it's a, it's a troublesome situation. I think it, it is, is different than many of the counterparts out there. We've discussed that in the past. And of course, we will continue to watch that closely with the Bank of England's with their with their interest rate decision. We'll probably have more coverage for you guys later this week. I also wanted to turn attentions in terms of uh, sort of reactions to today's movement. We saw the gold market make a, a pretty solid push uh, higher. Trading currently at the time of recording this, we're trading at $2,036 an ounce. And in many other currencies, an interesting point is that when gold is quoted against other currencies, many of them have already reached all-time highs. Uh, what I find very interesting is that a lot of this stuff that is sort of occurring with central banks potentially getting closer and closer to, um, you know, a turning point, turning the ship, I think gold has a, a very interesting position. Not to mention, uh, you know, gold is testing all-time highs. It's very, very close to that, regardless of the fact that interest rates are much, much higher than both of the previous instances where gold has tested these highs. I think that that shows sort of a resiliency to the gold market itself. And also, I think it shows that there are some concerns uh, around what could ultimately send it to new highs. We've got, of course, in the United States, one thing that is sort of in the back burner is the debt ceiling uh, debates. And, and as many viewers may be familiar, whenever these sort of things come into play, as many governments do, they draw them out, they slow them down, and they take forever to debate. And uh, there is some fear that can come along with that. And if there's one thing that can send gold to new highs, I think it is potentially fears surfacing and becoming uh, more real to the market. Now, uh, just my take on this, I think that you know debt ceiling stuff has occurred in the past and it is usually not a market moving thing for a very long period of time, but it could be a catalyst that prompts sort of a bigger momentum move above the previous highs. So I personally have been watching gold. I'm, I'm bullish. I think it has potential. That's where I'm at personally with the gold market uh, right now. My only concern with gold is that Currently, the momentum indicators are not supportive of a big rally, which suggests that we are starting to see signs of trepidation, maybe, uh, with gold bulls in the market. We're seeing the stochastic, the MACD. 
are not really confirming the price action on the most recent highs. So that could be a sign of exhaustion in the rally. The other thing as well is because markets priced in, as we alluded to earlier, these two or three rate cuts from the Federal Reserve this year, if we see more pushback from the Fed or we see some uh, data that doesn't necessarily support a shift from the Fed and we start to see markets pricing in fewer rate cuts from the Fed this year, that could potentially as well lend itself to a, uh, a slightly stronger dollar and maybe take some of the enthusiasm away from gold. But I think longer term, I do think the, there is a fundamental case for gold, as you've already alluded to, because we are going to see rates falling, especially next year. I think we're going to see rates falling quite far. But at this point in time, I think maybe just in the near term, there is that risk to the upside from those two things. So, of course, we've also got PPI tomorrow, Thursday. This will uh, be another inflationary measurement that is really key to the markets and also will have some impact on indices as well as the gold market. So we'll be watching closely for that tomorrow. All right. Thanks, guys. Speak to you on Friday. Thank you for having us on, Johnny. Thank you. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.